I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by Twin Motion, the simple real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery, client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Good morning, all. And you're listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, we're going to do a little bit of a extension, a uh, continuation of our last conversation, but a little bit more focused. Last conversation, meaning our metaverse discussion. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh so I wanted to talk about specifically the creative uh, design side of our industry. And I really think that that part of our industry is going to flourish to an extent that it's going to draw people from reality into the metaverse world as far as what they act like the workload that they have. Okay. Can you see those dots connecting yeah. in your mind? Totally. That I can understand. And when I say creative uh, design part of our industry, I'm talking about like uh, architects, interior designers, um, Mm -hmm. not not the engineers and and stuff like that. So they're not creative. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they they come up with creative solutions. No, they're dream crushers. Like this is how it works, right? (laughs) No architect. You can't do it that way. It doesn't work. I didn't mean that in any bad sense. Uh, so but I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. So you can see those dots being connected. Yeah. And some of the things that come to mind, uh, 
recently in the news, you know, Zaha Hadid Architects. No. Okay, blank, blank look. Okay, yeah. they're, they're one of the biggest architectural firms, design okay. firms in the world. Okay. Um, so I should know them. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure if I showed you, you could, while we're talking, you can pull up uh, the Instagram ZHA. It probably will come up. Okay. Um, so Zaha uh, recently, oh, wow. recently partnered with Player Unknown's Battlegrounds Mobile which is a video game um, I never played, but I'm sure maybe some people that have kids around that age group will probably have known. But they partner with this gaming group to create all the architecture in that game or some level of architecture within that game. And it started to click because I've also heard stories long before this in the metaverse conversation uh if you've ever heard of second life it was like a old game that uh internet game that was sort of this uh i played for- sports <laughs> <laughs> i played sports at work <laughs> so it was it was uh this game that had like this uh, rea- this whole world and you created okay. a character second and you can life. you can go around and basically live a second life in this video are these, game. Are these the same people that played like all the card games and like all the <laughs> we're chasing Pikachu and stuff? No, seriously, like what like what group would that is, is that fantasy realm? Was it the same idea? Mm, not necessarily. Okay. Um, it was just it's just a video. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. So I've heard of architects in that game playing uh i think it was called second life i'm pretty sure because uh the office did an episode on it and i and i can't remember if my brain is mixing up what they called it in the office or uh what it is in real life but the concept is basically there's this virtual world you create an avatar and you can live another life in the game so i had heard of architects basically designing homes in that game and selling them to people in the game in the game okay so it's not that far-fetched to see that once this metaverse thing gets up and running a lot of people starting to at least dip their toe in to see how successful they could be at it and if it takes off almost shifting entirely to that because you don't have the headaches of reality of the zoning codes of gravity (laughs) of angry clients uh well you may well, still get angry clients you're gonna but, get angry clients no matter what you do yeah but there's a lot less hoops to jump through and more freedom do you see that happening and what are your thoughts oh man i think that's probably pretty hard for me to even understand because you know what i mean i've never <laughs> really been in that world the whole you know vr world and, and fantasy like like i said i don't you know i never played those games or did that type of stuff I, I can see, I don't know about selling stuff to, well, I mean, I guess if you could look at it from like a contract standpoint with a builder, if you're showing them a product and that kind of stuff, I get that mm-hmm. if that's where you're going with it. I mean, you talked about selling it to people in the game, but um, no, 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 like, uh, so, it, okay. Detach yourself from reality, stretch your mind to put okay. yourself. <laughs> here. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> so imagine you're in this video game, which is very much like real life and okay. you want, you have however much money and you want to build your dream home in the video game, you would find an architect who is also in this gaming world and you'd say, I want you to design a home for me to live in. 
just like real yeah. world but i mean i guess they would because you look at all these games not like um like my kids play what is it roblox or whatever and so it's like these people design games and designs different things in them that you then pay to like be able to play you know i think so i don't know why it would be any different for somebody that's a bit more in tune to wanting to live that you know live out a fantasy life right is what you're saying so i guess it would go hand in hand with that um i guess the only question i have is when we're talking about like pay somebody to do it like what like what kind of funds are we talking because then it goes in that whole other stretch that i was that we were talking about before i'm like what are people doing you know what yeah. i mean like it's scary right yeah because it would have to be worthwhile for the architect to do it you know what i mean spend the time to design a house which is probably going to be take the same considerable amount of time you know to draft it and do whatever to be able to put it in this world right mm-hmm. so i i gotta imagine it's not cheap um that's a lot of expendable income or or it's a side thing one of the more labor intensive parts of our process is actually on the construction document side time time wise so from a illustration standpoint or whatever it's not that big a deal not that it's not that big of a deal in comparison it's definitely difficult to to build like a virtual building but converting it into something that can be you know looked at and built in reality there's not as much Makes time sense. as the the construction documents. Yeah, I mean, yes, I could totally see that happening. <laughs> I could totally see people spending money on what they, you know, their vision or their desire or dream, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to fulfill that elsewhere if they can't do it here. You know yeah. what I mean? In, in reality or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I could totally see that. I don't know if you're aware or if you watch Westworld on uh, HBO. Mm-mm. Big who's Bjork Engels, I believe it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was big. I think they did sort of the land development or something in the movie or in the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see these architects diversify their services and getting into all these other things of film, creating these backgrounds in film, uh, going into gaming. It's a good point. I mean, because it makes it so much easier. So, you know, like you look at movies and, and film these days and everything's done on a green screen and with so much CGI and all that kind of, like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It really kind of does. No lawsuits either. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there there could be. <laughs> so, somebody will figure something out. <laughs> yeah. There, if, you, if you don't deliver what you promised you were going to deliver, yeah. But there's a lot less opportunity, I think, because yeah. I've always compared our industry to like football. Where there's so football, where there's so many different people and players, if somebody screws up, it screws up the entire team. True. So you're all connected, and it's hard to orchestrate everybody to do one thing at once. So if somebody you know messes up, you're gonna feel the pain. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So you take out pretty much all the other players for the most part, and it's just you and a drawing. And uh, yeah, and yeah. or or your client. So yeah. there, there's only two people at that point. So there's a lot less opportunity of lawsuit. I mean, do you realize what we're saying though? We're talking about designing stuff for a a non-reality world and yeah. making money off of a non-reality world. I, this I, is going back to surrogates and like my fear of yeah. where this is going. But I mean, that's I mean? that's where we've gotten to in our industry, and and from an architect's perspective, we've had this conversation before, but. Our fees have been pushed so hard, I think, in proportion to the amount of work that, yeah, yeah, uh, the amount of work that architects do, the amount of liability that we're on the hook for compared to the fees that we even attempt to get 
and then get pushed down to unless you're like the Zahas, the bigs, um, you know, it's very hard to be in this industry. And I'm just constantly seeing this branch off of people and loss of interest for these reasons and people trying to figure out other ways to diversify services um, because it's just so hard and there's so little value. People see so little value in architects. Do you think, do you think it's a, do you think it's a cyclicality issue though? And the reason I say that is because like, even in, even our industry, like I get pretty disenchanted at times with what I deal with. Yeah. And you know, cause you get devalued all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's their job. I mean, if you think about it, the owner's job is to try and build what they need for the cheapest possible thing to render the most profit possible. Right. So I don't I mean, I don't really load them for doing that because I get it. It's a business thing. And, and the same point, your product, my product, whatever it is, we want to sell it to somebody at the highest possible profit maximization because that's, I mean, that's how you make money. Right. Yeah. And I wonder if it's a cyclical thing because at least, you know, I know we're, you know, you're younger in the game than I am, but, but, you know, I'm still relatively young in the game, but I've seen a couple cycles mm -hmm. and it's like, you get driven down and then it comes back up and then you get driven down and then it comes back up. You know, I've seen that twice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just one, and then, and, you know, and it's no surprise, you know, like right now I'm semi disenchanted in it because everything's just getting beat up. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really want to deal with this for, for this, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. But then maybe it comes back again in another, what I think is another year after this <laughs> thing dives and comes back and, and you're getting paid what you needed to do a proper job. You know, I, I don't think it's cyclical because um, I'll say this, for example, throughout my entire career, and we're not mm -hmm. that far. We're only a year or two apart. You're only 39? I'm 37, turning 38. We're a couple of years apart. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half years apart. Freaking so, youngster. <laughs> it's not that big of a difference. <laughs> Wait till you hit 40, then we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, when, when we're going through our project, an architect will send out their fees. They won't get paid. Even though you're hounding the client to get paid and asking for it, the, uh, depending on what the fee is, I've seen clients question architect's fees or not pay it immediately. But structural engineers, it's like whatever they propose it gets accepted, it gets paid quickly. So there's just this different understanding. They look at structure as like a requirement. I have to have them. Uh, they are very valuable, which yes, they are. But they look at the architect as like only a pretty picture. You're not that important. You're just there to dress it up. Yeah, I guess, I guess in the process, you need the structural engineer sign off on stuff, right? To move forward on things with the city. Like you have to have all their data to be able to show those things. Like, is uh, it a, yeah, is it a like a it's a pinch point, right? Yeah. Well, both are really. Are they, they both, really? You need an architectural stamp as well, but uh, hmm. for for most projects over, what is it, two stories and uh, beyond only wood frame construction. I think the square footage is like four thousand square feet. So it's oh, a okay. lot that you can build without an architect. Um, yeah. But but some cities do require architecture stamp. Hmm. We're going to take a quick break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Let's talk ArcViz technology. Powered by the near limitless Unreal Engine, our friends at Twinmotion offer a fast and easy way to produce stunning real-time visualizations and immersive experiences for your clients. 
Twinmotion gives you the tools you need to make faster decisions and relay information to your clients in a way that instantly speaks to them. Breathe life into your scene by changing the season, the weather, the time of day, just by moving a slider, immersing your client in a way that they'll love, and more importantly, be able to truly picture themselves in. Why not share your design with stakeholders in collaborative reviews and edit your scene together? There's no better way to get buy-in than by making your clients feel part of the development process. Right now, they're running an exclusive free trial, which you can head to twinmotion.link slash spaces to get your hands on. That's twinmotion.link slash spaces. So, so with all of that said, I want to get an outsider's point of view because we've had these conversations endlessly within the architecture profession of trying to figure out how do you shift this. But what happens if architects just are just like, I'm done. I'm going to go do other stuff. I'm going to go into the gaming world. I'm going to go into movies. I'm going to go into metaverse and do my thing there. What happens to the the real world, in your opinion? Well, I, uh, I think we have, and we're talking an all or nothing scenario. Like all of a sudden they all just leave. Yeah. Part, right. Yeah. Just for dramatic sake. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think anytime something like that happens, there's a struggle for a short time period, mm-hmm. right? Inevitably somebody figures out some type of solution, you know what I mean? And the issue is it's kind of like even being, I think one associate in a company, it's like, you're not, it's not that you're not replaceable. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like everybody's replaceable. It's, it's just to what degree. Yeah. So yeah. What I would say is like if all of a sudden all the architects decided to collude and just bail and be like, we're going to go be, you know, game nerds all the time. Right. <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, some, some other solution would present itself mm-hmm. somehow, some way. And so I think your, your product types and your design and everything would suffer greatly. Mm-hmm. I think for, for a while until somebody else kind of takes those reins and schools pump out more or whatever. Now, if it completely went, went out to the, you know, out, out the door, I think you'd have your structural engineers and people like that, that have at least seen it for a long time, mm-hmm. try to start putting stuff together and it would become another branch off of what they do. You know what I mean? And inevitably I would tell you that, you know, there's never a situation in which everybody's going to leave. So then you would just create a market opportunity for those few that are like, yeah, yeah, I'll let them bail out and then I'll capitalize on it. Now it's a supply and demand thing. And I'll probably get all my fees times 10. You know what I mean? That it used to be type of deal, right? I mean, that would be the mo the more natural thing that I would see, I think, occur mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, because nobody ever, not everybody sits by their word. <laughs> you know what I mean? When they say they want to go out and, and, and we're all going to do this, there's yeah. inevitably somebody that screws it up, right? But I think, I think that's what would happen. But it, back to your point, everybody just left. Product would be bland. You wouldn't be able to stretch the limits of design because you're, by nature, most of your engineers don't have the creative side, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's left brain or right brain, but they have one side and then the architect tends to have another side because of the creative side. So it would suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would suffer greatly for a while. And I don't know this day and age, though, with everything becoming so dense, how much design there's really left. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't mean that at a knock, but like even my wife, when we were driving to church the other day, we were at the beach, did a walk, driving through Irvine. You know, she's looking at this major development that's been there forever. And she's like, it looks like a prison ward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because there was so much density and it's so blocky and, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, how you know, maybe that's what it would become. 
mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which is scary because then that doesn't evoke emotion and uh, make you want to look at things and it just becomes very monochromatic, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what I, get, I think would happen for several years. It would become very bland, very stark. Yeah. And then inevitably something will heal itself. You know what I mean? Some solution will come, come off of that. Or people get used to it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Until, but I think, but I think what's going to happen is even if that type of world in any, in any industry or environment, you see that all of a sudden something comes out and it's like, it draws your attention because everything got so bland and so, you know, black and white that all of a sudden somebody with a different thought comes out and they're like, who's this person? You know what I mean? And it's this really beautiful design and all this kind of stuff. And then I think that would start sparking that, that desire to get back into that because that fame that goes with it, that notoriety that goes with that excitement that goes with it. People are drawn to that usually. Right. Yeah. So maybe you'd have the architects leave a virtual world that they really can't see their product in and then go back to swing back when they feel like the prestige is kind of back into it. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I think going to your point of the, you know, the blandness, you know, one of the things that aren't talked about that architects do bring is this ability to synthesize everyone's input. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to layer, you have this design that's layered on and you take all of these inputs from Mm -hmm. every other direction and be able to bring that into something that most people can generally accept and get it approved. You're like the music writer and the orchestrator at the same time, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, truly, like, and I agree with you because I've been in those meetings before when you sit in rooms and they're picking apart product and they're literally like from all these, I like this. And sometimes I'm listening, I start laughing because I'm like, (laughs) whatever this guy said over here is in complete disagreement with whatever this gal said or guy and, and back and forth. And you're like, how the hell? And, you know, a couple of meetings later, they've got a product they all agree on. So yeah. um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty amazing feat to see that happen. Yeah. Another part of this was to get someone else's opinion. Cause we all talk about our own perspectives and yeah. how much we're worth and value. So just to hear someone else's thought on yeah. what. Um... Well, you know, builders, builders don't really do it in house yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like builders have attempted to do a lot of things in house yeah. that they think are not a big deal. I mean, I'm not using their, their phrasing, right. But they've, tr- they've attempted over the years and I've seen multiples try to do different trades and, you know, think they can save costs and, you know, whatever it is or control or, or however that looks like. And, and normally it goes away, mm-hmm. but I've never seen them have an in-house architecture studio. Yeah. I've not yet seen that. And so I think that's a good thing for you guys right that they don't try to do that um because i think they they realize it's a totally different it takes a different view to be yeah. able to do that because <laughs> they can't pay them what they want to pay us <laughs> they won't stay there if they try to pay them the same amount <laughs> that's agree <laughs> that's exactly why all right thanks for joining me jason and uh thanks for listeners for listening We will talk again on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this podcast episode. Don't forget to visit twinmotion.link slash spaces today and try Twin Motion for free. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts 
or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.